You're listening to Packers Talk Network. Do you want to experience the thrill of a Packers game at Lambeau Field? If so, be sure to get your guaranteed authentic tickets from theticketking.com, a longtime trusted source and local Green Bay business. Just go to PackersTalk.com slash tickets for more information and ticket links. That's PackersTalk.com slash tickets. Talking Pack. Heading into Sunday's wildcard showdown with the Dallas Cowboys, the Green Bay Packers were staring at a daunting set of circumstances, to say the least. The Cowboys, boasting an experienced, veteran-laden roster, chock full of all pros, pro bowlers, and statistical leaders, run defeated at home this season. In fact, they hadn't lost a game at AT AT&T Stadium since September 11th, 2022. The Packers? Well, they're the youngest team in the playoffs since the 1970s. A team with exactly zero Pro Bowlers and one All-Pro. And a quarterback making his first ever playoff start. Yes, it's easy to see why most of the nation believed Dallas was a heavy favorite leading up to kickoff. But... As the final buzzer sounded in Arlington, Texas Sunday evening, this too became just as clear. The Green Bay Packers are a team to be feared. Not next season. Not in a few years. Right. Now. And with that, I'd like to welcome you to a special Wild Card Weekend episode of Lemp's Talkin' Pack. I am your host, Chris Lempesis, coming to you once again from my basement Packer room in my home in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, here to break down Green Bay's, I told you they could do it, and they did it, 48-32 win over the Cowboys on Sunday at, again, AT&T Stadium in Arlington. And if you'll allow me, how about them Packers? Woo! Right, though? What did I say last week? What did I say towards the end of the show last week? I said they 1,000% could go down to Dallas and win. I said it would be shocking to some, but not to me. I said I might be a little surprised, and I mean, I am surprised they put up 48 fucking points and held Dallas to just 16 until what ends up being garbage time. But the fact that they won? Nah, 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 man. I really felt like this team had it in them. I mean, was I sweating those last few minutes? Okay, yeah, I was, I was, I'll I'll admit. Did I, I don't know, run to the bathroom a couple times to splash cold water on my face as Dallas was scoring those late touchdowns? Yeah, I mean, maybe, I'm not going to confirm or deny, but there's a chance I was. Sure. But nevertheless, (laughs) I said it, I said, I think you can run the ball on Dallas. And they did. I said Dak Prescott, historically against the Packers, has turned the ball over. In fact, I said, do I see a scenario where Jordan Love plays great and they force Dak into a couple turnovers and they win? Yes, I do. I said that and I nailed it. I nailed it. 
I said, all the pressure is on Dallas. And holy shit, did they play like a team with a mountain of pressure on their shoulders? Oh my goodness. Said the Packers had nothing to lose. It was house money, baby. And they played like it. They were confident and loose and aggressive from the jump. And that translated on the scoreboard, did it not? It sure as hell did. But you know, as much as I'd love to say it was just me, (laughs) and I would, I know I'm not alone on any of that thinking. I feel like a lot of Packers fans thought the same way as I did heading into this one, you know? I think what happened Sunday is only a shock to those who weren't really paying attention to what's been happening in Green Bay, Wisconsin the last couple months. They saw it, but they didn't really see it. You know what I'm saying? The last couple months offensively, and let's say, well, be generous and say the last couple weeks on the defensive side. But they couldn't see it. They couldn't feel the vibes, the incredible vibes this team had been putting into the atmosphere as of late. But my friends, my friends, my fellow Packers fans, we saw it. We knew. We knew this team wasn't afraid of the challenge. They weren't afraid of Dallas. Well, I'll tell you what. Maybe they didn't see it or feel it before, but they goddamn see it and feel it now, don't they? Oh, you bet your ass they do. And on that note, oh, yeah, let's get that going. Oh, Miller Lite, I love you so much. Hell yeah. Come on now, you knew I was going to celebrate with the Miller Lite. You know how it is. With the win, and oh, what a win it was. Is there anything better than a playoff win? I say no. The Packers advance to the divisional round of the NFC playoffs, where they will face the San Francisco 49ers on Saturday night at 7.15 p.m. Lambeau time at Levi Stadium in Santa Clara, California, again on Fox. Once again, Saturday night, not Sunday, Saturday, remember that. More on San Fran, the number one seed in the NFC, towards the end of the show, of course. And just another classic NFL playoff matchup. Man, I bet the league is just drooling over this. Oh, Packers-Cowboys followed by Packers-San Francisco, Packers-Niners. Oh, they have to love this. Oh, my goodness. Oh, they're like Randy Marsh in the trailer in the South Park episode. And if you're a South Park fan, you know what I'm talking about. The other divisional round game will see the Detroit Lions, who defeated the Los Angeles Rams 24-23 on Sunday night at Ford Field, host either the Philadelphia Eagles or the Tampa Bay Buccaneers next Sunday at 2 p.m. Lambeau time. The Eagles and Bucks wrap up wildcard weekend tomorrow night, of course, on Monday Night Football. Yeah, the Lions and the Packers both won, and if I may for a moment, I gotta talk about, because... You know, I obviously I mentioned on the show a lot. I'm from Marquette, Michigan, up in the UP. Um, Marquette, and I, I probably have said this too, the UP is kind of split, right? The further east you go, it's more Lions fans. And the further west you go towards Wisconsin, it's obviously more Packers fans. It makes sense, right? Now, I'm from Marquette, which is the biggest city in the UP. Not bragging. <laughs> but uh, Marquette's kind of in the, it's, I think it's like the center point of the UP, right on, kind of the north center point. It's right on Lake Superior. I grew up, in fact, my childhood home was like two blocks from Lake Superior. But it's basically like, to me, it's like the epicenter of the Upper Peninsula, not just in terms of size, but location. It's basically 50-50 Packers-Lions fans. And I was thinking about this tonight as I was watching the Lions uh, close it out over the Rams. 
that I don't think there's ever been a day, and it was later confirmed by a former coworker of mine, the Packers and Lions had never won in playoff games on the same day. So I was going like, there's, ne-, and I was thinking to myself, like, there's never been a day in Marquette where Packers and Lions fans went to work happy following a playoff Sunday. Like, it's never happened. Like, when I was in middle school, Packers played the Lions, what, twice in the playoffs? Right? When I was in sixth grade, and then said they beat them both times. So, they played them two years in a row or three. Either way, they beat them at least twice in the playoffs. Um, so, obviously, Lions fans were pissed that following day. We were thrilled. But there's never been a day following a playoff Sunday, so there's never been a Monday, where Packers and Lions fans went to work happy. Tomorrow will be the first time that's ever happened. So I was joking with that former coworker. I said, well, actually a couple former coworkers. I was saying that like, it's basically going to be every office and workplace in Marquette tomorrow, really the whole UP, but it's certainly Marquette, is going to be like freaking Disneyland. <laughs> like everybody's going to be happy. No one's going to be mad. No work is going to get done tomorrow. And maybe not even, it might be Wednesday before anything gets done. Like everybody's just going to be celebrating, walking around with mile wide grins on their faces. And for someone who's from Marquette, like, that really, that just, that kind of, I'm kind of just tickled pink by that. That, like, <laughs> like everybody in the UP is going to be happy tomorrow. You know? Because, uh, I, you know, the Lions, that didn't affect the Packers, so I didn't care if they won. In fact, you know, to be honest, like, I grew up in Marquette. I grew up around a lot of Lions fans. Had friends that were family, or friends that were Lions fans, family members that were Lions fans. Like, I know a lot of people that have been waiting a long time for them to get a win. I was in fourth grade the last time the Lions won a playoff game. I'm 42 now. So it didn't affect the Packers. So how could you be, how could you not be anything but, how could you not be anything but thrilled? Or how could you be anything but thrilled for Lions fans? Um, now, of course, if the Packers had lost today, I'd be on here going, fuck them. <laughs> fuck Lions, fuck the Lions and their fans. <laughs> But the Packers won, so I'm in a great mood. So, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's easier to be happy for someone else when you're happy, too. Anywho, now that I've derailed, let me get it back on track. Um, What is this, Lem's Talking Pride? <laughs> uh, I have to do the shameless self-promotion, which I know you love, or at the very least tolerate. Twitter will always be Twitter to me. Lem's MKE at It's Just Chris Now. The Facebook, Old Bag of Donuts, OL Bag of Donuts. Once again, OL Bag of Donuts. I'm on Instagram. You can find me by searching for Lamps Talk and Pack and looking for my logo, which is the green donut that I know you all love so damn much. Uh, I got a few new followers last week. So I've now made up for the, what I believe were porn bots unfollowing me. <laughs> I've got a few real people that followed me last week. So let's keep that going. Help me pump those numbers up and we'll have some more fun on Instagram. Having a good time there. The email, old bag of donuts, ol bag of donuts. Once again, ol bag of donuts at gmail.com. Uh, you don't have to wait till after the games are over to write to me. You can let me know. Write me during the week. You know, what do you think of the team? Where are you listening from? All that good stuff. Got a few cool emails last week from uh, Andy, who was listening uh, down in Mexico. I believe he was down there for work. I was like, well, at least somebody's having some good weather because I'm up here in Milwaukee getting buried by snow and now we're all freezing to death up here. So, But at least Andy's experiencing some nice weather. Uh, D wrote me. It's nice to hear from you, D. And then Mark wrote me over the weekend. Mark, I apologize. I did not get a chance to respond to you, but I, your email made me laugh 
It was very, I really enjoyed it. It was great hearing from you. Wonderful Packers Talk iTunes page. Anybody listening there, you can leave a rating. Five stars. We like you those the most. Four good too. A comment. Got one a couple weeks ago, but maybe we keep those coming. The positive comments about the show are always welcome. They put a little pep in my step. Um, Or a rating and a comment. You can do both. You can find us on Spotify by searching for Packers Talk and looking for our logo, which is the head of the Vince Lombardi statue, which sits outside Lambeau Field. I know Vince was loving what he saw today. Watching there in the afterlife. Um, If you're listening on Spotify as a subscriber, which, let's be honest, you should be, right near the top, there's a box with a star. Click on it. Five, we like those the most. Four, good two. As always, it just helps with that algorithm. The more ratings we get, the better ratings we get, the better placement Packers Talk gets. That way, when people are searching, hey, I need some new Packers podcasts to listen to. Let me search for you know Packers podcasts. The more ratings we get, the better ones we get, we're more likely to pop up when they search. Then they find us and go, oh shit, this is great. These guys and gals are great. They got five shows and they're all they're all fire. I'm going to tell everybody I know. I love it. And that's how that works. I think. <laughs> we're on the iHeartRadio app as well. iHeartRadio app as well. Let me say that again. And as always, if you listen on a platform I don't mention, please let me know what it is. I'd love to know. And just subscribe. Just mindlessly mash down on that subscribe button. What do you have to lose? It's free. Even if you're cheap, this plays right into your hands. It's free. It costs you nothing. You mash down on it, then we deliver the stuff right to you. We're the dealers. We give you everything you need right to you. You'll wake up tomorrow morning. I'm there. Later in the week, Cheesehead Radio, they're there. You know, three other shows, they're all going to be there too. You don't have to search. That sounds great, doesn't it? I sure think so. So subscribe. Okay, now that we done got all that out the way, let's go, let's dive right in, let's did this, let's talk about this playoff. Job! Ah! That's a fucking playoff win, you love it. That's why you say dub that way, you gotta go, ah, Dub! You really have to put your all into it. If you don't do that for a playoff win, I mean, what's even the point, right? Why are you even doing it? As for where I'm going to start, okay, look. You know how much I love all of you, so I'm going to be completely honest. There's well over 20 questions and comments and emails and, and all that. The damn bags are bursting at the seams. I knew you'd all have thoughts about this game, but oh my god, you surpassed even what I imagined. Even my wildest imagination. My wildest dreams. I didn't think there'd be this many questions and comments. There's a shitload. So, that being the case, I'm just going to skip my opening part of the show and we're going to go right to the bags. What I'm going to do, I'm going to use your questions and comments to kind of write the show, if you know what I mean. If you've listened to the show before, you probably know what I'm saying. If that does, if you're a new listener or you haven't heard me do this yet, if it doesn't make sense, don't worry, it will, at least I think. <laughs> it's something I tend to do when big moments happen, either good or bad, you know, or when a season ends. I feel like it really brings us all together, which, as you probably know by now, is something I kind of love about this show. I never look at all of you as listeners or fans, 
but rather like kind of co-conspirators, you know, like we're all kind of in this together. That's, that's cooler to me than being like, oh, these are my fans. Around. Like we're all kind of doing this together, I feel like. So you know what? Let's do this all together. Let's tell the story of this playoff win, this incredible playoff win over the hated Cowboys. Let's tell the story together. So yeah, let's rock. Let's go. Let's start with Twitter. These are in no particular order. All right. Our first one comes from Justin Cornwell at Justin A. Cornwell, longtime friend of the show. Great to hear from you, Justin, as always. He writes, what a performance. Kind of like the win over Atlanta in 2010 in terms of love's dominance and stomping a higher-ranked opponent on the road. Although that game was actually pretty close in the first half. Thrilled for another week with this group. Go, Pat, go. Well said, Justin. And we're off. Um, yeah. Yeah, can I just say that first? I'm just really thrilled that, as Justin, just I, I'm the same way. I just, I'm so excited we get to watch this team another week. You know, I said this to someone who wrote in one of the emailers last week. I said, you know, this, doing the show, this team, you know, this 2023 Packers team doing the show this season, this is the most fun I've had doing the show in years. This is the most fun I've had watching the Packers in years. This is the most fun team they've had in years. Like, it's just, I'm so thrilled that we get, like, you, I, that we get to keep going, you know? Because I really wasn't ready for the ride to end. I know Dallas is good. We all knew Dallas is good. I touched on in the opening. I mean, they, they're, they're freaking loaded. But I was like, I just really want this team to win, you know? Even though the season would have been a smashing success, even if they'd been blown out today and lost. I was like, you know what? I'm kind of getting greedy here. Like, you know what? We've made it this far. Like, fuck it. Let's win. Let's keep it going. I want to keep it going. I'm being selfish. I know we all were. So to stay on the ride another week is just fantastic. Um, yeah, it does remind me of the Atlanta game. Although you're right, that Atlanta game was close all the way up until the very end of the first half when uh, Tremont Williams with the pick six. Um, it was it was a close game. You're right. Uh, hang on a second here. What's going on with this computer? Okay. Um yeah, what well, you're right, it was it was sort of, you know, it had feeling, it had shades of that in the sense of, like you said, love. And let's get to Jordan Love. 16 of 21, 272 yards, three touchdowns, no picks, 13.0 yards per attempt. 13.0 yards, 13 yards per attempt. Like, nine is is really good. Ten is outstanding. Thirteen is like, are you from another planet? He was out of this world. 157.2 rating. Of, cor- of course, he had a perfect quarterback rating until the last incomplete pass, which I believe was to Tucker Craft. Let me check my notes on that. Was that to Tucker Craft? Yeah, on the third down with about two and a half minutes to go. That actually knocked him down from 158.3 to 157.2. Which is a bummer because I think I was, I originally was planning on just titling the show Jordan Love Had a Perfect Quarterback Rating. <laughs> kind of the flip to the, um, when they lost to Tampa and I titled the show Baker Mayfield Had a Perfect Quarterback Rating. I was going to do the flip of it on the positive side here for Jordan Love. But yeah, I mean, he was great. He was, he was really, he was just absolutely outstanding in this one. So many incredible throws from Jordan Love. Let's go through a few here. Let's, you know what? Let's just start at the beginning. First drive of the game. Love goes to Romeo Dobbs over the middle. Oh, what a day for Romeo Dobbs. More on him in a bit. Goes to Dobbs over the middle with a nice throw. That got the Packers to midfield. 
right away. Let's keep going. I'm just going to go through these as I as they come up in my notes. How about that? Yeah, how's that sound? Yeah, yeah. Wait, no. Um, still first quarter now. Third and nine at the Green Bay 25. Love under pressure. Floats to his right. Delivers a strike again to Dobbs on the uh, in route for a pickup of 25 yards. That was a great throw. Uh, first play of the second quarter. First and goal at the 16. Packers get backed up on the holding call on Tucker Craft. Right at the end of the first. So now it's first and goal at the 16. No problem for Jordan Love. He delivers a strike again to Dobbs. On the slant, down to the one. Aaron Jones will close that drive out. Of course, more on Jonesy in a little bit. Go through some more throws here. Um, Third and one at the Green Bay 16. Second quarter now. Love on the play action rollout. Zips one to Tucker Craft for the first. I thought that was a really nice pass. And then Love on the play action, the very next play. Floats back, finds Romeo Dobbs open on an out route. Dobbs takes off into Dallas territory for a gain of 39. Let's keep going. There were so many more great throws from Jordan Love on this one. Oh, the touchdown to Wicks. His first touchdown pass of the day to Dontavion Wicks. Oh, my goodness. That was a work of art. Love under heavy pressure. Floats one to, to Wicks right in stride in the end zone for the score. What an incredible throw. PAT no good. They should have made Anders Carlson walk home. Still, 20 to nothing Packers, 3.23 to go in the half. These are all in the first half. By the way, as Love was 13 of 16 for a buck 85 and one touchdown in the first half. Outstanding. Let's move to the second half because you know what? There were, there were plenty more. Here was one that was outstanding now. This was, where, where was this in this? Early third quarter. Um, Packers now up 27 to 10. The play that looked like a disaster as Love collides with Aaron Jones in the backfield. Love regains his footing and gets just enough on the throw to a wide-open Dobbs. Dobbs does a nice job coming back for it. Hauls it in. Gain of 46. It's, gets Green Bay into the red zone. What a throw. All arm strength from Jordan Love on that one. All arm strength. Not many quarterbacks could have made that throw. Nope, not many. Considering how the play started... You know, the fact that he didn't have great footing on it. Nope, that was a special throw. Again, that was one of the ones that really showed what a special player he is. Um, What else? Let's keep going here. Uh, And then, you know, the dagger touchdown. That's what I think I'll close with. The dagger touchdown, as far as specific examples. It is 41-16 Packers. Let's set the scene. Early fourth quarter. Third and three at the Dallas four. Handoff to Emmanuel Wilson. Up the middle. Doesn't get much. Now, a lot of coaches in that spot would have kicked. I, if you listen to the show, no, I would have kicked. But LaFleur was so wonderfully aggressive all day. He decides to go for it. I thought maybe they were just trying to draw him offside. But no, no, no. They went for it. Love... Out of the gun, with time, waits, waits, sees Dobbs late, and just zips one in. Tight coverage. Zips one into tight coverage for the score. What a throw. That was a special, special throw. Short yardage, yes, but still. another One of those, again, that shows you just how special Jordan Love is. Dobbs gets it. Touchdown. PAT good this time. Sun, sun shines on a dog's ass even sometimes, I guess. 48-16 Packers. 10-23 to go. And that was the dagger. Again, even, Dallas, even though Dallas got those what ended up being garbage time touchdowns, that was the dagger. Just 
brilliant stuff from Jordan Love. In his first playoff game in a tough environment against a good... all Everything stacked against him. Didn't matter. 16-21, 272, 3 scores. Brilliant. A brilliant performance from Jordan Love. Yeah. He's still getting better. He's still getting better. Yeah. And he still has... I think he can still get... Like, I don't think he's done growing. No, no, no. There's there's going to be a lot more. Which is... How, how could you not be over the moon about that? First burp of the show? How many minutes in are we now? First burp, 23 minutes. That's about right. All right. So thank you for that, Justin. Our next one comes from Adrian at Adrian Suarez. Adrian writes, Here we go. First seven seed to ever win a playoff game, and it's our Green Bay Packers. Love was sensational. It amazes me how control in control he is at the line of scrimmage. Defense played well, but letting Dallas back into the game was a mistake in strategy. All gas, no fucking break. Let's fucking go. Yeah, hell yeah, Adrian. Let's fucking go. Absolutely. Yeah, the first seven seed to, to ever win a playoff game. How about that? More history made by this team. Fantastic. Um, Yeah, Love really is in control at the line of scrimmage, you know? I talked a second ago about all the um the sort of highlight reel throws he made. I wanted to really kind of give each of those their own moment. Hope I didn't leave any out. Um, But yeah, I mean, those those are great plays, but it's it's his control. It's just his demeanor. He just seems so... Like, everybody's playing his game. And that's what the truly great quarterbacks do, particularly in the playoffs. They turn it into, you're all playing my game at my speed, and everybody's doing exactly what I want them to do. Right? They basically become like puppet ma- like puppet masters. That's what the great quarterbacks do in the postseason. Love did that. He's been doing that the last month. He, he damn sure did that again in this one. Just in control. Again, everything is where he wants it to be. And every defender is where he wants them to be. <laughs> On the other side, he's just controlling the whole thing. He's, he, it's incredible. Yeah. He's just... I, I'm blown away by it, you know? I thought Love would play well. I did. I thought there was even a chance he'd play great. I, he, he exceeded my expectations. I have to say that. You know? Yeah, he really did. Um, Let's talk about the defense. I thought the defense was really good. Now, you're right. They let Dallas back into the game at the end. I think a lot of that was they were just gassed. This blew me away. I don't know if you all saw this. I didn't see this till after. Dallas ran 89 plays in this game. 89 plays to 54 for the Packers. They basically owned the time of possession in the second half. I think they had the ball almost 19 minutes. Um... A lot of it cause it was because the Packers were scoring so goddamn fast. But, uh, so I think, you know, they let them up. But I also, I, I think, I, I, I want to give them a bit of a pass and say I think they were gassed at the end. I don't know if it was so much strategy. I th- there was some strategy in that, obviously. You're kind of going to prevent mode, keep everything in front of you. You know, make them use time, make them run a lot of plays, which, of course, they did. As I just outlined. Um, but I think a lot of it was they were just gassed. You know, because the offense was scoring so quickly. So I don't think they sort of let Dallas back in the game. I think it was just kind of, they were kind of a victim of circumstance, if you will. Um, which, of course, you'll take every time. But uh, I thought the defense overall, I mean, up until the the fourth quarter was outstanding. I mean, that's one of the best offenses, if not the best offense in football. 
You know, Dak, the leading passer in the game this year. CeeDee Lamb, leading receiver in the game this year. They held him to 16 points. You know, yeah, Lamb finished with 9 for 110. But again, a lot of that was in garbage time in the first half. He had two catches for 18 yards. So he did a lot of his damage once the outcome had already been decided. So, you know, I, I thought they, they covered well. Um, thought they played the run pretty well, again, up until the end. Um, and they got after Dak. That was the biggest thing. They had to get after Dak Prescott, and they did. This defense, when they've been at their best this year, you know, against Detroit on Thanksgiving, against Kansas City the following week, against Minnesota on New Year's Eve, even da- even Chicago uh, in, the, in the finale. When they've been at their best, they've made it miserable for the opposing quarterback with their pass rush. And they did that again here, sacking Dak four times, and almost as importantly, hitting him nine times. Nine quarterback hits, four sacks. That is the formula for success for this Green Bay's for this Green Bay defense. And they executed. And of course, they covered well. You know? The incredible Jair Alexander pick. How much did you see? And that's and see now for everybody that's been shitting on Ja for the last two months, that's what he brings to the table. They don't really have anybody on the team that can make a play like that other than him, that can break on that ball in tight coverage and, and come away with the pick. And that was huge early in the game. And then obviously Darnell Savage with the pick six. Who saw that coming? Who in the world saw that coming? The Darnell Savage pick six? That that was one of those moments, and I know I'm not alone on this, when that happens, I couldn't even really cheer. I was just sort of like, I looked at my wife and I go, like, is this real life? I'm like, She's like yelling and screaming. I'm like, did this, is this really happening? Did, did Darnell Savage just jump a pass, jump a pass to CeeDee Lamb and pick it off and take it to the house for a 64-yard pick six that made it 27-0 Packers late in the first? Like, I was like, is this all really happening? Am I asleep? <laughs> what year is this? <clears throat> so, yeah, I mean, I thought, you know, I thought the defense played well up until the end. I, I have to give them a lot of credit. You know, it's funny. Someone asked me after the game. Or actually, someone asked me while the game was going on on Twitter, does this mean Joe Barry's going to be back? I said, I don't think he's quite there yet. Still think he needs one more performance like today. But if they go into San Francisco and play like they did today, yeah. If they play, the you know, four quarters like they did the first three and a half today, yeah. He probably will be back. How could you argue with that at this point? So, yeah. Yeah, great stuff. Thank you, Adrian. Our next one comes from Javier Cabrera. At Ja Cabrera 24. Great to hear from you, Javier. He writes, it's on. I want this team to go as far as they can. Bring it on, Niners. Hell yeah, bring it on, baby. I ain't afraid of anybody at this point. Nope. No. No, with, with what the Packers just did today, going into Dallas and winning against that Cowboys team in the manner they won, they blew their doors off. No, man. Like, we're not, we don't need to be afraid of anybody. No, teams need to be afraid of us. Just, you know what I'm saying? They, they don't need to be afraid of San Francisco. Fuck that. No, bring that on, dude. I'm ready. Bring it on, baby. Let's go. All right, so thank you for that, Javier. Um, Next one comes from Bill Amundsen at Omaha Badger. Bill writes, So much fun. The team played so well, even Joe Barry couldn't give it away at the end. 
Love is a stud. Jones is amazing. Romeo is magnificent. Go Pack Go. Rice fumbled. Bonus football. You know what? Jerry Rice did fumble. Yeah. And I, you know what? I, I may take that to the grave. I may have that put on my tombstone. I've joked about that. That's going to say Chris Lambus is 1981 to whatever. And he's going to say Jerry Rice fumbled. Yeah. I may do that. That That's still in play. Although hopefully that's a long, hopefully that's like 300 years off. But <laughs> that is in play. Um, You're goddamn right, Bill. He fumbled. Yeah, you know, <clears throat> like I said earlier, was I a little bit nervous? I mean, a little bit. Those final few minutes, I was. Yeah, I was. I did run to the bathroom. I splashed cold water on my face twice. My wife's like, I didn't know what you were doing the first time. And the second time, she goes, I looked over and I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> it's like, because I'm going like, they can't blow it. Because look, we saw them, we saw them blow it. For those of us who lived through the Seahawks debacle in 2015, which is most of us, like... That's that, you know what I mean? Once you have something, once you go through something like that, it never really leaves you as a fan. You start having Seahawks flashbacks. If you're anything like me anyway, late in the game. So yeah, I I was a little bit nervous. It wasn't until Preston sacked Dak right towards the end. I was like, okay, this, okay, now it's really over. Cause I was, I wasn't panicking, but I was like, I did say to my wife at one point, I go, you know, if they blow this, I'm like, I'm going to have to retire from watching football. <laughs> and she was like, yeah, we probably, we probably all will have to. And I'm like, I don't think I can go on watching football if they blow this. But thankfully they didn't. So that that's good. Um, Yeah, talk about, let's talk about Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones, he did it again. 21 carries, 118 yards, three scores, 5.6 yards per attempt, plus one catch for 13 yards. How brilliant was that, by the way? That wide receiver screen where they they send Jones out in motion and then Love kind of tosses it to him down the line. They've got a wall of receivers set up and blocking and blocking for him. How brilliant was that play call? Yes, keep that in the playbook, Matt. Um, so twenty two touches for one hundred and thirty one yards and three scores for Jones. That'll work. That'll hunt. Um, he just he did it again. You know, I I I just keep, I feel like I say it every week. I said it after the Carolina game. I said they were going to need two more great performances from Jonesy to make it into the playoffs. Last week, I said if they were going to win, they were going to need another great performance from Jonesy, and he just keeps freaking delivering. 21 for 118, 5.6 yards per attempt. So, if you're keeping score, and I have been, starting with the Carolina game on Christmas Eve, Aaron Jones, the last four games, has averaged six yards a carry, six yards a carry, five yards a carry, and 5.6 yards a carry. He is playing his best football. He really is. And he really does look like he's running with 24 or 25-year-old legs. Yeah. He does not look like a guy who who battled injuries all season and is 29 years old now. No. You know? He really looks like he's in his prime prime. The way he's running. He's running hard. The explosion is there. Oh, the cutbacks. The cutbacks have been brilliant. Um... He just, again, and he's just running tough. Running with so much power and ferocity. Like, there were a lot of plays again in this one where it looked like he was going to be, he was going to get, you know, a yard. He ends up getting three or four. Or plays at the goal line. You know, one of the touchdown runs, I know for sure it was like, it didn't look like he was going to get in. And he just kept pushing and he got his way into the end zone. He is running hard. He's running, if I had to use a word, to describe it, he's almost running desperate. Do you know what I mean? Like, he kind of, like, 
this may not be his last shot. And this may not be his last year in Green Bay, but there's at least a chance it is. And in that case, he's leaving it all on the table. He's leaving it all on the, he's going to leave it all on the field, man. He's not leaving anything on the table. You know, he's just running so hard and desperate. And it's just incredibly impressive to watch. It really is. Can't say enough about him, you know? And again, his presence makes everything so much easier for love. It really does. You can just feel the calming presence, the calming effect his presence has. There we go. On Jordan Love. That's incredible. Um, Yeah. And, And Dobbs, you know, and you mentioned Dobbs. Yeah, six for 151. And a score, 25.2 yards a catch. He was he was outstanding. He was he was he was incredible getting open, finding open spots in the zone, making the catch. It was not and it was really great to see Dobbs have a big game because you know so much of the attention on this receiving core has been on Wicks and Jaden Reed and Christian Watson, you know, and even guys like Bo Melton. And I do feel like Dobbs has kind of become the forgotten man a little bit, you know? Which is funny because he's the only guy who I think I'm almost positive he's played all 17 games this year. So he's always been available. He shows up every week, you know? He most of the time produces when his number is called, but he just hasn't had that big breakout game until today where he was just all over the place, you know? A really dominant performance for him. So I was really glad, I was really happy for him to get that kind of performance today. Yeah, it was nice to see. Because there's something to be said, right? What do they say? The greatest ability is availability. And he's been available every week. Hadn't had a big game this year. Not a huge game anyways. But he had one today and that was fantastic. So, ah, cheers to Romeo Dobbs. Um, Yeah, great stuff. Thank you, Bill. Our next one comes from Jeff Murray at Jeff Murray. He writes, all I can say is, Atlanta, 2010, not saying, just saying. So here's the thing. I was thinking about this after I saw Jeff's tweet. It is kind of lining up that way, isn't it? Now, Justin a little bit earlier compared this to the Atlanta game. But really, if we're if we're lining up 2010 comparisons, next week kind of sets up to be... To, to potentially be an Atlanta game, right? Think about it. Go back to... Now, I'm not saying this... I'm not saying this is gonna... They're gonna, you know, go on a, on a miracle run like the 2010 team did and win this... I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, so far, it does kind of line up. Think about 2010, right? Second to last week of the season. The Packers absolutely blow out the New York Giants. I was at that game at Lambeau. Second to last week of this regular season. The Packers absolutely blow out the Minnesota Vikings. Sets up a final week of the season. Win in your end game at home against the Chicago Bears. 2010, they beat the Bears in a nail-biter. They make the playoffs. 2023, they beat the Bears in a nail-biter. They make the playoffs. They go on the road to the NFC East winner in round one. And win. Did that in 2010. They beat the Eagles. Did it Sunday. Against the Dallas Cowboys. (laughs) Which sets up. In 2010. They go to Atlanta. The number one seed in the NFC. 
This year, they're going to San Francisco, the number one seed in the NFC. So I'm not saying that they're going to win the Super Bowl or even get to the Super Bowl. But if you're looking for 2010 comparisons, everything is lining up. Starting with the second to last week of the season. Really not even the second to last week of the season. Even going back before that, because before that Giants game, they lost to... Shit, who was it now? I can't remember. Hold on. Who the hell did they lose to? Was it that Lions game or was it the Patriots game? It was... The Patriots. So they lost to the Patriots. Looked like their chances were on life support. This year they lose to Tampa Bay. And it looks like their chances are on life support. So there's so many parallels between... 2010 and this year, at least leading up to this point. Now, we'll see if they can pull off what the 2010 team did in Atlanta. Which, again, we'll get to San Francisco at the end of the show. It's going to be very daunting. But, but yeah, I see what you're saying, Jeff. You're not saying. You're just saying. I hear you. So, thank you for that. Our next one comes from Lucky at the Madisonian. Hold on a second here. Okay. Our last one comes from Lucky. Or no, our, our next one comes from Lucky at the Madisonian. Lucky writes, what an amazing game. Should have been over at 41-16. Credit to Big Mike for grinding up some serious garbage time yards and stats. Really fed into Packers fans' anxiety. (laughs) Hashtag LOL. Hashtag go back go. I mean, you know, I already talked about that. Me running to the bathroom to splash cold water on my face. I was feeling it. I was. I'm not going to lie. I I know I'm not alone on that. I know everybody's going to be like, oh, I never worried. I'm sure a lot of us were worried. As Dallas was racking up what ends up being garbage time yards and stats. Um, Big Mike, don't you feel bad for Big Mike? He's he's gonna get fired. If you had a chance to listen to Jerry Jones's comments after the game, Emperor Palpatine sure sounded like he's gonna fire Mike McCarthy. Yeah. Well, Jerry Jones is like if Wiley Coyote was crossed with Emperor Palpatine. There, that's how you'd get Jerry Jones. So. Emperor Wiley Palpatine. There we go. That's what we'll call him. <laughs> Wiley Palpatine. Um, or not Wiley. No, no, no. Not Wiley Coyote. Who's the one? Um, I said Yosemite Sam. That's it. Yeah. Emperor Yosemite Palpatine. There we go. Um, I mean, it sure sounded like he's going to fire Mike. He. What did he say? It was the, the, the greatest disappointment of his career as an owner. I mean... Big Mike's going to get fired. Because again, I said this on the show last week. Jerry is 81 years old. He doesn't care about regular season success. He wants to win Super Bowls. He knows he doesn't have much time left. And now Belichick is out there. And maybe Jim Harbaugh is out there. Like, I think if he really thinks he can get one of those two guys, yeah, he's going to fire Mike. So, yeah, the Packers will end up being responsible for Mike getting fired twice. Which is, which is you know... Crazy. Um, I think Mike will be okay, though. I think Mike needs to go to a place like Carolina. I said this on Twitter after the game. The Carolina Panthers would be a great landing spot for Mike. He does great work with quarterbacks. Dax play, he took Dax play up a notch or two after he got there. We all know what he did with Rodgers and guys like Matt Flynn when he was in Green Bay. Um, I think Big Mike would be perfect. Yeah, in Carolina. With as much as they have invested in Bryce Young, they're not going to win a Super Bowl. He's not going to win a Super Bowl, but he could get them maybe to the playoffs and get Bryce Young's career back on track. Yeah, they'd be very lucky to have Mike. 
but he's going to get fired. <laughs> I'm almost sure of that. So thanks, Lucky. Our next one comes from Mels at Corey Melzer, who writes, maybe we should play all of our playoff games at Lambeau South. Go, Pack, go. Yeah, did you? I don't know if everybody knows this. Um, They've now won more playoff games in AT&T Stadium than the Cowboys have. <laughs> they've won three games there. The Cowboys have only won two playoff games in their own stadium. Can you believe that? They've won more games. It is Lambeau South. I think I titled one of the shows that years and years ago. About another good time down at Lambeau South. That's kind of what it's become. They just, for whatever reason, for when, you know, the old Texas Stadium was such a house of horrors for the Green Bay Packers. It's incredible that since they moved into the new joint, the Packers have just dominated them. You know? For us 90s kids that grew up watching, I talked about this on the show last week, for us 90s kids who grew up watching them get owned by those uh, Cowboys teams, and the 80s, because the 80s and 90s kids who grew up watching them just get owned by those Dallas teams. Like, we would have never believed this. Never. If you told middle school me or high school me, like, you know, the Cowboys eventually will move into a statement and the Packers just fucking own them there, I would have never, I would have said, you're crazy. And that's exactly what happened. So maybe we should play all that. I agree with you, Corey. Absolutely. So great to hear from you. All right, our next one comes from Rich. Rich usually emails, but he's going Twitter this time. At Rich underscore Streeter. Rich writes, geez, seems like we are doing everything to screw up our draft pick. Three weeks ago, we were close to a top 10. Now we are mired in what, the mid-20s? Seriously, I've never been happier to be so wrong. This was the most fun since the last Dallas playoff win with the Cook toe tap. Oh, that's a great one. Is this the most fun since then? Um, mm, Yeah, probably is. Yeah, you're probably right, Rich. This was a blast. You know what I mean? It was a blast, but it was like almost surreal too. You know, it was just like, are they really doing this? Like I had to come and like pinch myself. Like I was like, are they really just blowing the Cowboys? That's why I tweeted a couple different times. I'm like, is this real life? Like, are we in the matrix? (laughs) What's happening here? And you're right about that. I know you're, Rich is of course joking about the draft pick thing, but yeah, it's crazy that they're now going to be in the mid twenties. When a couple weeks ago, it was like, they may end up with the 6th or 7th pick in the draft. We were saying that that was in play, what, like five weeks ago? Four, five, six weeks ago? And now it's like, they're in the second round of the playoffs. It's incredible. The turnaround has been incredible. Yeah, it's been so much fun. So thanks, Rich. Our next one comes from, is our final tweet? Yes. Comes from JT at Must See Events. JT writes, Lemps, how are the receivers so wide open? That's a great question because they were really, really, really wide open like throughout this one. I think a lot of it was LaFleur's game plan. You know, I think he really had a great game plan um, on how to attack. He seems to really have Dan Quinn's number and it's been that way for a while now. He just seems to know how to attack him and, 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 you know, scheme it up and call the plays to where guys are just wide open. And the players did a great job too. You know, the players did a great job. I mentioned Dobbs a little while ago, just as an example, finding those open spots in the zone. And when it was man beating, just beating their man straight up and getting open. Like, I think it was kind of everybody. That would be my answer as to how everybody was so wide open. The Musgrave play, for example, the touchdown pass to Musgrave, which I don't know if you saw this, it was Bill Barnwell from ESPN tweeted after the game. 
that Musgrave on that touchdown catch where, where he runs the little short crosser and then just ends up wide open downfield. He was more open on that play, according to Bill Barnwell from ESPN, than any player in the league on any other play this year. Let me say that again. Luke Musgrave was more open on that play than any other player on any other play in the league all season. Incredible. You know? Um, I think it was, a again, I think it was Lafleur scheming it up. It was really, you know, the play calls were great, and guys just did a great job getting open. Because you're right, it was almost comical on some of those plays, not even just the Musgrave play, but a lot of plays where it was like, how are these guys so wide open for Green Bay? It's incredible. Yeah, great stuff, sir. Thank you for that, JT. All right, those are all the tweets. Let's go to... All right, let's go to the Twitter DMs. Let's go to Kyle Truax at Kyle Truax, who writes, Lemps, last time I wrote it, I said it really is amazing when you see the capabilities of this team. Well, boy, was that capability on display today. I could have done without that last five minutes, however. But any way you draw it up, that was a complete ass-kicking. You gotta love it. We knew this was a free roll going in, and the roll continues to San Fran. Cheers to you and cheers to the pack. I'll hang up and listen to your glorious words about this Packers dub. Well, cheers to you, Kyle. I'll drink to that. Um, My glorious words. I, 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 that's nice. Thank you for saying that. I, I don't know if I said my words are glorious, but I'll take that. That's a, that's a, that's a hell of a compliment. Um, I mean, you're right. This was as close to a complete performance as we've seen from this team yet. Minus the last five minutes, as you said. Um, but yeah, 48, to, I mean, again, when it was everything up to 48 to 16, yeah, that was about as complete as we've seen this team play. I think that's about as complete as they can play with this current roster. It was incredible. I mean, it really felt like they maximized everything. Offensively, defensively, now not on special teams. Special teams is still a bit of a problem. Durs, Miss Anders Carlson, Durs, as we call him here on the show, missed another PAT. It's just, again, I, I don't know if he's going to be on the team next year. I don't. I keep saying it. If there's a kicker they like in the draft, they should not be afraid to take that kicker. You know, it, it's, it, he's, to be missing this many PATs, it's, to have it be this much of a problem this late in the season is, does not bode well for him. The fact that he can't get kicks into the end zone is another huge problem for him. You saw that right at the end of the first half. Packers are up 27-0 in full control. Durs can't get the kick into the end zone, allows the return for Dallas. The guy breaks a big return out to their own 45. They end up getting a touchdown on that drive. That was huge in them getting that touchdown. Now, in the end, it didn't matter. And a lot of these haven't mattered so far, but eventually, at some point, it is going to matter. He's going to short a kickoff that gets run back for a touchdown, and it causes the Packers to lose a game. Or he's going to miss a PAT, and they're going to lose a game by one point. You know? It hasn't really hurt the team, but it's it's going to at some point. It's just not good enough, you know? Um, but you're right. That was as close to full, at, you know, every unit maximizing everything they had. Yeah, that was as close as, as, as we'll see this season, probably. Um, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, thank you for that, Kyle. Appreciate you writing in. All right, our next one comes from Love is in the airing it out at Matilla D. Hun. Matilla's going the DM route now. All right. 
He writes, Aaron Jones rents out AT&T Stadium to Jerry Jones for the Cowboys when he's not there. Lamps, I'm done saying they're a young team that doesn't know any better. This is one of the best offenses in the NFL, period, and have every chance to go into San Fran and beat them. This O is as talented as San Francisco. We just don't know their names like we do San Francisco's. We'll start learning them. Go Pack Go, fuck Dallas, and let's go win in San Fran. Yeah, fuck Dallas. Fuck them. How much did you love just, like, knowing that every Cowboys fan is crushed and that Jerry Jones is crushed? Like, did you, don't you just love that? Another South Park reference. I'm like Cartman at the end of the Scott Tenorman Must Die episode. I'm just licking up all the tears of the sad Cowboys fans. Oh, oh the tears of unfathomable sadness. Ugh, that's me. I'm reveling in it. Pour all their tears into a cup and I'll drink it. Yeah. Yeah, that's how much I hate Dallas. Um, that's funny about Aaron Jones. Yeah, I saw this stat on SportsCenter right before I started recording. I did want to share this. Aaron Jones. Uh, let me find this here. Aaron Jones averages 122 yards per game <laughs> against the Dallas Cowboys. Regular season and playoffs. And he averages 5.9 yards per carry against them. Like, he really does just own the Dallas Cowboys. I don't know if that's him growing up in West Texas. And, you know, the shot to play against his his childhood team. I don't know what that is, but he just kicks their ass. Yeah, absolutely. That's fantastic. Um, Yeah, this is one of the best offenses in the NFL. I think we can safely say that. 100%. You're absolutely right, Matella. They are one of the best offenses in the NFL. Um, You know, they're just, again, like you said, they're just so young, people don't know their names. But they're starting to learn them now. They're starting to learn about Wicks and Reed and... Hopefully Watson can play a little bit more next week. And Jones and... Yeah, they're learning these names. And of course, they're learning Jordan Love. They're learning just how good Jordan Love is. You know? That's what I'm saying. Like, that's why I touched on the opening. Like, if the league wasn't afraid of Green Bay coming into this game, I bet you the rest of this league is afraid of them now. Yeah. We shouldn't be fearing anybody. Other teams should be fearing us. That's the way I see it. So, yeah, absolutely. I agree with everything you say there. So, yeah, thank you for that, Matilla. All right, our next one comes from Rob, my buddy Rob over there in the UK at Not So Little Rob. He writes, wow, what a win, and how about them Cowboys, LOL. I loved us getting the ball first and telling Dallas, you, and telling Dallas, you tell and stop us? Mm, don't know what you mean there, Rob, but okay. <laughs> uh, I think you're saying tell Dallas, go ahead and stop us. I've still got bad vibes on kicker. How much is now a mental issue rather than technical technical ones? Technically ones. Um, well, thanks for writing in, Rob. Uh, how much of it is a mental? It's probably largely mental. I know they've had some issues with the snaps and stuff. But at this point, I feel like it's got to be largely mental. I keep saying that, I, I think, with Durs on the show. It's got to be a mental thing at this point as much as anything else. Yeah, and I love getting the ball first, too. You know, It was maybe a little bit nervous. When I saw that Dallas was gonna was gonna kick, but I'm like, you know what? Let's go. Let's get the ball first. Let's go down the field. Let's let's set the tone right away. And they did that with the long drive that ends in the Jones touchdown. So yeah, I'm I'm all for that. Absolutely. Um And how about them Cowboys? How about Jimmy Johnson like absolutely melting down? Did you see Jimmy Johnson's performance at halftime when they were asking him to, to what kind of speech would he give to the Cowboys? See, that was the old maniac, Jimmy. Everybody knows Jimmy Johnson now as, like, the white-haired grandpa who's always laughing and smiling on Fox. If you've ever read Jeff Perlman's incredible book, 
boys will be boys about the 90s Cowboys. Um, Jimmy Johnson was a psycho. Jimmy Johnson was a beer-drinking, cussing, red-faced psychopath. He was a lunatic. Like, <laughs> he really was. So, I, I don't know if everybody, you know, knows that side of him, but, like, America kind of got, you got to see it a little bit at halftime, which was, which was for me, it was hilarious. I couldn't have laughed harder watching that. I was like, the old man's really losing his mind here. It's fantastic. So, thanks for writing in, Rob. All right, so those are the Twitter DMs, right? that everybody? Yes. Okay. All right, so we got Twitter and the Twitter DMs. Let's jump over to Facebook. And I have the Facebook Messenger pulled up. How about that? I came prepared. Our first one comes from Sean LaFond. Sean writes, what a dub! This offense has been rolling since the Panthers game. So cool to see the LaFleur offense in all its glory. How good was it to see all the shots of miserable Cowboys fans? Which fan base is more scared of love, the Bears or the Cowboys? This is almost as good as it gets. Shout out to the LTP Nation and all the people who regularly write in. Go Pack Go. Well, thanks, Sean. Thanks for shouting out all the other people who regularly write in. Um, enjoy. And I, I like that so many people are factoring in the dub thing. I talked about it last week about the dub t-shirts. And I got a few people that reached out that said they'd be interested. So, you know, the more of you that reach out, the more likely I am to maybe try. I'm going to try to create some shirts this offseason for the show with dub on them and, and maybe do it in green and gold. I'm talking to some people about some potential designs. So, you know, that might happen. The more of you that want it, that want those, the more likely I am to make them. That might be fun. Come on. All right. Um, but back to your comment. Uh, yeah, this is really the LaFleur offense. It is. This is the Matt LaFleur offense. I kept saying it on the show. All those years with Rodgers, they ran the version of the LaFleur offense that Rodgers deemed acceptable. This is the LaFleur offense. It's run-based. It's a lot of stuff over the middle. It's a lot of motion. It's, you know what I mean? We're seeing it. And now that we're seeing it, we're really seeing LaFleur's ability to scheme guys open. Talked about that a minute ago with the question of how many, how, why is it so many players are so wide open? You're really seeing LaFleur's ability to do this. He's had this in him the whole time. He just had Rodgers, you know, kind of shackling him a little bit. The offense was shackled a little bit because of Aaron Rodgers. Because there were only certain things he, he deemed, again, acceptable to run. Didn't want to do motion. Things like that. Didn't want to line up under center. Things like that. Like, we're seeing the LaFleur offense. What we're really seeing is that Aaron Rodgers is why this offense was kind of held back at times. You know, we're seeing it really blossom now. And isn't it incredible to see? It really is. Um, the miserable Cowboys fan shots were outstanding. How about that one shot of the kid? Did you see that? The, kid, the two little kids, probably like 10 years old. And the one kid, the mom had like... Uh, green and gold. She had green and gold. What do you call it? Um, overalls on. And the one kid was wearing a Cowboys jersey, and he was like literally in her lap crying. And the other kid, it looked like they might have been twins. The other brother had like a Packers. Was it a Packers jersey or shirt on? And he's just like ah. <laughs> I saw some people turn that into a gift. I think Donald Driver either turned that into a gift or screenshotted it and put it on his Twitter. 
It was hysterical. I was like, oh my god, the one brother is crushing, the other brother's having the time of his life. This is outstanding. Um, that was great. It was great to see all the Cowboys fans leaving. It was great to see all... Again, I would drink... If you poured me a cup of Cowboys fans' tears, I would drink it. I would drink the shit out of it. Absolutely. Um, shot and chaser. So, yeah. Which fan base is more scared of love? The Bears or Cowboys? Well, it's got to be the Bears, right? Because they're, they're going to see him twice a year. For the next 12 to 15 years now, they're going to see Jordan Love twice a year. Yeah. It's got to be the Bears. Um, so, yeah. Great stuff. Thanks for writing in, Sean. Our next one comes from my buddy Daniel in Vancouver. Daniel writes. All right. Now, you wrote in with six minutes left, so I'm just going to try to parse here a little bit. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, 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 ah, fuck it. I'll just read the whole thing. Six minutes left, and they line up at Clifford in Jerry World. Some tutties in garbage time. But, boy, this was... Beat down as it gets. I was not worried about... Oh, no, you did write this after the game, so I'll read the whole thing. What am I saying? I was not worried about the offense scoring points, but 48 in Jerry World should have been 50-plus, if you ask me. That one Clifford drive messed it up. Ha, ha, ha. But Love, Jones, and Dobbs sliced and diced the Cowboys' defense. This performance was unreal, and their number one receiver, Reed, didn't even have a catch in this game. And how about this defense? Two touchdowns on the backups... Towards the end, okay, but they basically held the best offense in the regular season to under 20 points at Jerry World. I hope Jair's okay. Not bad to have a fan like him on the team. Enjoy this dub. And the Niners should be worried by now. Go, Pack, go. I agree. I think Sam, again, we should not be fearing other teams. Other teams should be fearing us. That's what we are now. We're the team that people are afraid of. Yeah, we're back there now. Absolutely. Um, so a lot of good stuff here. Uh, the, let's talk about the Clifford thing. I didn't like that decision. And Lafleur, after the game, admitted that that was a mistake and he will learn from it, which I know he will. Thought it was way too soon to put Clifford in. Yeah, in fact, I probably wouldn't have put Clifford in until maybe, like, the final kneel down, if I'm being honest. Like, I know you don't want Love to get hurt and you're up big, but, like, you saw what happened when Clifford came out. Like, Dallas was like, oh, maybe we can get back in this. So... That was a mistake, putting Clifford and guys like Patrick Taylor in that early. Uh, and thankfully, Lafleur, I, 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 I believe he will learn from that. That was a big mistake, and he admitted it after the game. Which was nice to hear him admit he screwed up, because, you know, I do think he'll learn. Um, yeah, talked about Love, Jones, and Dobbs. That, that trio was outstanding. Uh, yeah, you're right. Reed didn't even have a catch. That's the thing. Jaden Reed didn't even have a catch in this game. He was only even targeted three times. Like, that's the depth of this group, you know? This week it's Dobbs. It could just as easily be Wicks or Reed or Watson if he's healthy. Right? Or Musgrave or Kraft or Bo Melton. This is a deep, deep receiving group. Even a guy like Malik Heath is showing he can make plays and they, they had him inactive today. That's how deep they are. They're just loaded at receiver. And all these guys are young and they're all on rookie contracts. Oh, oh. I could, it's so beautiful, I could cry. I'll tell you what. Um, yeah, I talked a lot about the defense. They played well up until the end. They really, I thought, really played strong. Yeah, I hope Jair's okay. I saw him kind of jogging. There was a clip of him kind of jogging back through the tunnel to the locker room after the game. He looked fine to me. I don't know. He didn't, he didn't seem like he was that bad. I think they held him out because, you know, they kind of knew the outcome had been decided already, so... Hopefully he's okay, because as, as I'll get to in a minute here, I mean, 
If you thought Dallas had weapons, get ready for what San Francisco has. They're going to need Jaw. Yeah, that fan video you're t- he's referencing is, I don't know if people saw this yet. Probably did. Um, was it the NBC station in Green Bay? Had a reporter outside Lambeau Field on Monday morning. And Ja ran up and said, the pack is back. Huh? And did his sword thing. And walked away. And the and the reporter goes, she goes, oh, and then and, and you not, there you hear it from a Packer fan. She had no idea it was Jair Alexander. <laughs> Which, how do you not know that that's Jair? I maybe get not knowing who, like, an offensive lineman is or like, you know what I mean? One of the safeties or something. But like, how do you not know who Jair Alexander is? How did she mess that up? That was bad. But it was very funny. Um, So thank you for writing in, Daniel. All right. So that's great. That's Twitter, the Twitter DMs, Facebook. Let's go to the, oh shit, there's a lot of emails. All right. We got, all right. Our first one comes from Sean from Plover. Sean, can I tell you something? I love how succinct your emails. I said this last week. I want to say it again. I love how succinct you are. You get in, you say what you got to say, and you get out. And I appreciate that. Sean titles his email, holy shit. (laughs) And writes simply, Jordan fucking love. Let's go, Sean from Plover. Yeah, Jordan love indeed. Jordan love. A bold statement, but yes, I agree. Jordan love. Um, He's the guy. Like, he just keeps getting better and better every week. How is this How is this happening? Like, you know what I mean? Like, even if you're all in on love like I am, and a lot of us are like, watching today was like, how is he this good already <laughs> in a playoff game? Like, there was no panic. He didn't seem like any of it was too big for him. Again, his demeanor is perfect. He has the perfect demeanor to play quarterback in the NFL and that's obviously true in the playoffs as well like he just doesn't none of this seems like a big deal to him like he's like all right I'm going into Dallas and I'm I assume the same thing will be true next week going to San Francisco he ain't gonna panic about that either just incredible incredible how blessed we are how did we do this again how did we get a third one of these in a row <laughs> I don't know but I love it all right our next one comes from Kyle Terpenning, who refuses to get Twitter. God bless you, Kyle. Um, Twitter was awesome today, though. I will say, I shit on Twitter a lot, especially on the show. But Twitter today was why Twitter is, is still great. Yeah. In a big game like this where the Packers are just rolling and kicking ass, Twitter was so much fun. I was like, this is why, this is why I stay on Twitter for days like today. Because it was so fun. Um, he writes... After all the shit talk we had to endure this week from Cowboys fans, all saying they were going to destroy us, it feels so good to eliminate them. This season, already a success, has now practically reached legendary status. In the Elite Eight, in a rebuild year, never in my wildest dreams did I expect this this year. Love put on a master class against his powerful Dallas secondary. He is checking all the boxes for me. It was one of the things I wanted to see from him, how he'd handle the playoffs. Now I just want to see if he can string back-to-back great seasons together. Go pack go, go pack go, go pack go. Um, yeah. It does this is, you know, it does feel like how do I say this? It does feel like, you know, if they end up winning a Super Bowl in sometimes in the next like say three to five years, obviously, you know, we're gonna look back on this season. It is gonna hold really, really legendary status for us as fans. Because we'll know this was the year it all started. 
This was the year they came in with a ton of doubts, like you said, in a quote-unquote rebuild year. Although I did have them winning the division, I will say that. Um, whoops, second burp. But they, still keeping it real, but they, um, this will be the year that they, they, it all came together and they kicked that window open. We're going to look back on this year. It's going to hold a really special place in all of our hearts. If they, especially if they, I mean, it may anyways, but especially if they end up winning a Super Bowl sometime in the next like three to five years, we're going to look at this year as the start of it all. Yeah. And it's going to hold a really special place for us. Absolutely. Um, He really did. Again, yeah, he put on a masterclass. You're right. That Dallas secondary is outstanding. I talked last week on the show about all the incredible work Al Harris had done with that group this year. Didn't matter. Jordan Love just absolutely shredded that group. Loving those receivers. And you know what? I want to give some I want to give a shout out to the offensive line, too. I, I feel I'm I feel bad that I haven't mentioned that this up to this point. Love was only Love was not sacked once and was only hit three times. Wasn't sacked once, only hit three times. Again, they opened huge holes for Aaron Jones in the running game. Another outstanding performance from this Packers offensive line. I don't care what the pro football focus grades are. I don't care about any of that shit. That offensive line was outstanding today. And I feel like I have to mention that. Um, That really was the engine that helped Love and everybody else dominate. Yeah. So great stuff from them. So yeah, thank you for writing in, Kyle. Great to hear from you. All right, our next one comes from... Okay, Jen, you told me how to pronounce your name now. Chris, it's with a hard J and not a Y. So it's Jens. Your name is Jens. That's great to know that we've cleared that up. Jens writes... What a beautiful opening drive. The game was determined, as most games are, by line play, unforced errors, and defense. Holy cow, was our line on both sides of the ball strong. I'm just fine with no one getting that much recognition because they're playing as a team. I'm going to enjoy your pod very much and then transition to... Holy shit, we? I don't know what that means at the end there, Jen. But I'm glad you're uh, going to enjoy the pod. I always appreciate your... You've always been a big supporter of the show, which I really appreciate. Um, yeah, it's funny you mentioned the offensive line plays. I just talked; they were great. They were, and the, and the defensive line was really great as well. Again, they got off; they got after Dak. Dallas ran the ball okay. I mean, they had 123, 4.9 yards per carry, but a lot of that comes from Dak running it six times for 45 yards. Tony Pollard, their main back, who went over a thousand yards this year. 56 yards on 15 carries, 3.7 yards per attempt. So the defensive line got after Dak, and they really did a nice job in the run game as well. So you're right. And then I just talked about the offensive line really controlling the game. And they're going to need more of that from both from both lines next week against San Francisco. Absolutely. Because um, that's what wins in the playoffs, right? Like, we talk about all these great offensive performances and, like, Savage's pick six and Jaws pick, but really, what does it always come down to? Who wins in the trenches? And the Packers kicked Dallas' ass on both lines today. And that's why they won big. Um, it is fun kind of seeing this team as a team, isn't it? Isn't that fun? And I, again, I I, I don't want to like shit all over Aaron Rodgers, but I'm sorry, I am going to shit on Aaron Rodgers a little bit here. LeFleur saying at the end of the game, what was his exact quote? Because I do have it. Let me pull it up here. It was, um, hold on. His quote was, where is it? Did I bookmark it? Oh, my God. The Fleur closes his presser today by saying, there's a different energy about our team. It's so much fun to come to work every day. 
Why do you think there's a different energy this year? Why do you think this team plays more as a team this year? Why do you suppose that is? It's because Rodgers isn't there sucking all the air out of the room. You know, again, I I am going to shit on him a little bit. I'm sorry. The last couple of years, you know, I've had so much fun this year watching the team, following the team, doing the podcast, so much more than I'd had the last two or even three years. And included in them, there are some really good Packers seasons. You know what? I just think Rodgers just kind of made it not fun a lot of the time. Especially that last season, especially last year. He just made it not fun. You know? It just He just sucked. He was just a dark cloud hanging over the team. He was a big fart in the room. He was a big turd in the punch bowl. You know? And that's gone now. And it feels like it's a team. And it's not all about one guy and one guy's ego. And it's just been so much more fun this year. And it is cool that they're more seen, they're seen more as a team and not just... Aaron and the Rodgersettes, you know, or Aaron and the Rodgers heirs. It's just been a lot more fun. I think that's a big reason why. Yeah. So thank you for that, Jens. All right. Our next one comes from Kyle, who had Twitter, got rid of it, got it again, got rid of it again. Again, great decision on your part. He writes, love keeps getting better, and that indeed puts a big smile on my face. I had tagged Dobbs as the odd man out. Going to go ahead and file that under bad takes. I said weeks ago that they could use a true alpha number one. I'm ready to file that one away too. Feel bad for McCarthy, especially when we now know how much of a douche Rodgers was to work with. Would love to see him go home to be offensive coordinator in Pittsburgh. As I type this, Dame just hit a game-winning three. Hashtag fear the deer. Special teams, yuck. They were 31st by DVOA this year. Rich has some needed redemption ahead of him. Go Pack Go. Give back some of the playoff pie. PAI? I don't know what that is. The, the 49ers have given us. LFG, house money, baby. Yeah. 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 Let's fucking go. Absolutely. LFG. Um. All right. Lot to parse through here. Let's go. Uh. Yeah. You know what? I, I, think, I think I'm with you on the alpha receiver thing. I don't think that's a need. You know, I didn't think they'd take one in the first round, but I talked about with Watson's injury history, you might want to take someone there in, the, in those, maybe in that set, those first couple rounds, if not the first round. Um, I, I'm ready to cross that off now. I'm with you. I'm ready to just say, like, let's roll with Wicks and Reed and Dobbs and Watson and Heath and Melton, and that's the group. That works for me. So I'm with you on that. I'm going to file. I, I, I kind of had that take as well, and I agree I'm going to file that. Burp, third burp. <laughs> Stan Miller lights. What do they put Miller light that me? Because there's beer that makes you burp, and then there's Miller light, which like really makes me. I don't know why that is, but it's so good. I don't care. Um, I'm gonna file that one underway. The file that one away under a bad take for myself as well. Uh, offensive coordinator in Pittsburgh for McCarthy. Yeah, he could. I think he's gonna be a head coach still. Again, I think Carolina. Carolina is just a great spot for him. You know. He could lift them. He could be there for three or four years and lift them to like a nine or ten win team. Get Bryce Young's career back on the right track, and then you hand it off to the guy who hopefully gets him over the hump. Mike could be that guy. Yeah, Carolina would be an awesome place for him. Um, oh, what else? Yeah, Dame. How about Dame? How about Dame? If the Packer game wasn't great enough. 
Then we get Dame Time in Milwaukee hitting the game-winning three in overtime at the buzzer. Oh, I was just like, you got to be shitting me. Like, it felt like the Bucks. Were, I was watching that game. I felt like they were going to win, and they kind of blew it at the end of regulation. Then it really looked like they weren't going to win in overtime. And I'm like, when Fox missed that last free throw and then makes the second one to put them up two, I'm like, all right, well, they're going to have a shot, but they only have like five seconds left. Like, they're really going to have to race to get into position. And they did, and Dame hitting wasn't even... He was off balance. He's incredible. Oh, what a day for me. And then the Red Wings, my Detroit Red Wings, have now won five out of six in January. They come out of Toronto with a big win tonight. So I, it's a... Lemps runs the table today. It was a Lemp table run. Packers, Bucks, Red Wings. Fantastic. Hooray for me. Um, But I digress. Uh, yeah, the special teams, I don't know if you read, is it um, Rick Goslin's report? Is it Rich? Rich or Rick Goslin's report? His annual special teams rankings, Green Bay was 29th. So, yeah. You know, Rich is still... Rich is definitely going to enter next season on the hot seat. I don't think there's any question about that. I don't think Green Bay will get rid of him. I can't see them firing him after the season. But I do think he goes into next season on the hot seat. Because remember, he's the highest paid special teams coach in football. So 29th is, that's no bueno. That's no good. You know, especially since, I mentioned this on the show, Darren Rizzi, who they had in for an interview after they hired LaFleur. All the reports where they essentially lowballed Rizzi, so he got on the plane and left. Darren Rizzi is now in New Orleans, where they had the number two special teams in football this year. So, you know, can't, you know, for those of us that know that fact about Rizzi, that's just... It's never gonna, it's never gonna let that one go. That stings. Um, but yeah, back to Versace. His group has to do much better next season. Absolutely, no question about it. Um, so yeah, great stuff. Thanks for writing, Kyle. Awesome as always. All right, our next one comes from Nick, my buddy Nick in Indiana. He writes, um, all right, a lot here, so I'm gonna kind of parse this out. Nick, no offense. Uh, let's see. Da, 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 da. Uh, I wasn't sure if it was Tremont or Savage on that pick six. Watching the Cowboys fans' reactions made me warm on an otherwise freezing day. Number one offense in the league and compact disc lamb shut down. I don't think anyone thought that was a possibility. Another win to remedy my Cowboys hate from the 90s and the AstroTurf. As we doubled down and won our house money, let's carry this into Santa Clara. Side note, Santa Clara is a 15 to 20 minute flight from San Fran. Fun fact. Looking forward to the show and celebrating with you and LTP Nation. Someone talk to Matt LaFleur before he challenges. I'm hoping for some Craig Newsom fumble action next week. Go Pat, go baby. Are you talking about, I assume you're referencing the Craig Newsom fumble back in 95 that won him that game? Um, so great to hear from you, Nick, my fellow Greek in Indiana, of course. Uh, that wasn't, again, that was just an incredible play by Savage. To recognize where that was going, to jump the route, fearlessly jump it, and just take it to the house. That was the ability you saw from Savage. That's why they took him in the first round. People forget now because he's been hurt and his play has kind of declined. He's sort of is leveled off now. He's just, I don't think he's terrible, but he's just kind of decent. But he had that stretch in 2020 where it really looked like he was becoming the next great Packers safety. And then it was just, that's all it was, was a flash in the pan as it turned out. But 
He's always had that playmaking ability. He just... I don't know what I'm trying to say. It's always been in him, but he just hasn't shown it on the field. Well, he showed it today. That was tremendous. Um, yeah, they really, again, yeah, they really shut down C.D. Lamb. You know? Again, he finishes with, what did he finish with? I said it again. Nine for 110, but a lot of that was in garbage time. Really, the Cowboys' best receiver today was Jake Ferguson, the tight end. Ten for 93 and three touchdowns. But the other receivers, Green Bay shut them down. Cook, 6 for 47. Gallup, 6 for 103. But again, a lot of that was in garbage time. They really locked down the Dallas receivers. It was incredibly impressive. Um, Yeah, I didn't like that LaFleur challenge. I don't know what he was doing on that challenge late in the game either. That was silly. That was clearly a catch. So yeah, great stuff, Nick. Thanks for writing in. Um, All right, so let's see. That's Sean... Kyle, Jens, Nick, Kyle, and we have one more. It's from uh, Charles. Charles writes, Chris, first, Chris, long time, first time. Grew up in Monroe, Wisconsin, but now live in D.C., Maryland, so love getting some Wisconsin flavor from you. First, I want to say I really appreciate your podcast. I've been listening to you and the Packers Therapy guys. Love you both, but for different reasons. You, my man, always have the visceral reactions that match my feelings. With that said, cannot wait to hear your reaction. I expect you to be as epic as this Packers team was. Owning the Bears is always satisfying, but so is owning the Cowboys. <laughs> Keep up the good work. Best, Chuck. Um, And then he writes, To get some good Packers vibes going, I cycled 30 miles pregame in the D.C. area with my 2010 Matthews Super Bowl jersey and some balmy 35-degree temps. And he sent me a photo of him on the bike with the Clay Matthews jersey, Chuck. That is outstanding. Apparently, the, you say the Packers therapy guys know you as I, Chuck. I will refer to you as Chuck. Thanks for writing in. It's always cool to hear from somebody for the first time. I love the regulars. I love all you guys and gals that write in on the regular. But it's always cool to hear from somebody for the first time. So thanks for writing in, Chuck. Don't be a stranger. Um. Well, that's great that you... Uh, you always, I, I always have the visceral reactions that match your feelings. That's a lot of what this show is. Like I'm, a, I know some X's and O's stuff. I can kind of be an X's and O's guy, but I'm not like Dan Orlovsky from ESPN or something. You know what I mean? I'm not an, I'm not like that. I didn't play pro football. You know, I'm not a beat writer, so I don't have like reactions from the locker room. I try with this show to be, like I touched on it last week, kind of be a voice of the fan. And I try to just kind of put my feelings out there in a way. I try to capture the spirit of the thing, whether it's good or bad. It's a win or a loss or, in this case, a playoff win. And I hope, like tonight, I hope people come away going like, I was so hyped about this game and listening to your podcast, you matched how hyped I was and it just made me more excited. I hope that's what people come away from this with if that happens and i've done my job um and you're right it is great it's great to own the cowboys right it's great to own the bears but they've owned them most of my life it's great to own the cowboys oh there's just nothing better there really isn't it's fantastic so again thank you for writing in chuck and thanks for your really kind words about the show i really appreciate that all right an hour and 22 minutes in those are the emails we're gonna go to the egg bag we set a record for eggs four eggs Tonight. How about that? 
All right. Let's go to the first one from Larry. Larry writes, Lamps, I'm writing this with 14 minutes to go in the fourth quarter. Who the hell had this on their bingo card? I feel it's sacrilegious to drop the playoff dub before the final whistle, but Curly Lambeau and Vince Lombardi will forgive me this one time. Dobbs with another touchdown. Are they going to drop 50 in Jerry's world? To quote Ricky Bobby, I'm not sure what to do with my hands. Go back, go. I'm not sure what to do with my hands. It's one of my favorite moments of the movie when he wins his first race and he's just, he's on camera just like moving his hands around and the guy's like, just kind of put his hands down. It's fantastic. Great reference. Um, Well, you weren't sacrilegious as it turns out because they did win. So, you know, you didn't jinx it as it turns out, which is great. Uh, They would have, if they had tried, they would have easily dropped 50. Yeah. Because, I mean, they finished with 48. They probably could have hit 60 if they'd really, really tried. Towards the end of that fourth quarter? Absolutely. Yeah. Which is crazy. Didn't they, didn't they, is that the most points the Dallas Cowboys have ever allowed in a playoff game? Good to think it could have been so much worse if Green Bay had tried. So yeah, you're right. They, they could have. Um, yeah, great to hear from you, Larry. Cool, good stuff. Uh, all right, our next one comes from Nate from Kentucky. Nate writes, hey, Chris. Nate from Kentucky. Such a fun game to watch. House money is so much more fun to play with, isn't it? From choosing to receive the kick to how the defense played, there was a loose aggression that has been missing. Jordan Love is him. Aaron Jones is a beast. And the Packers are still undefeated at Jerry World. Something I've enjoyed texting to my Cowboys friends today. Here's to them keeping the same mindset going to San Fran next week. Thank you to you and Lamps Nation. I feel like a lone Packer fan here. But it's been so much fun watching what games I can and listening to you after. It's made this season one of the most fun in a long time. And I think with how young the team is, it's watching games not just for this season, but watching games knowing how young the team is and that there's a bright future for the Packers. Something we've been unsure of the last few years, feeling each year is a desperation last chance year with 12. Well, great stuff. Thanks to hear. Not great to hear from you, Nate. Great stuff, and thank you for your compliments about the show. I'm glad that I can help you feel less that this show helps you feel less alone as a Packers fan down there in Kentucky. That's great, great stuff. I actually got a few people from Kentucky that have reached out to me. There's there's more Packers fans there than I think you than a lot of people might think. And then of course Dusty Evely, the great Dusty Evely from Cheesehead TV and some other places. He's down there as well. Um, so it's cool that I help you feel less. Uh, you don't feel quite like such a lone Packer fan. That's great. Um, a lot to get to here. Let's see. Uh, I like that you ter- you used the term loose aggression because that's what I said early in the show too. I said there was a confidence, a looseness, an aggression they played with. Loose aggression is a great way to describe how they were. There was totally like we have nothing to lose, so we're just gonna we're just gonna really get after it, and it really worked for them. Um, let's see what else here. Okay, your last point isn't with how young the team is watching games, not just for the season. Much, you're right. You know, and my wife touched on that after the game too. My wife said, um, in addition to, to all the personality stuff with Rogers, she was saying, you know, there was such a like we have to win it this year because Rogers' time is running out feeling around the team, and she was right. I go, that's really spot on. You know, she goes, there was such a feeling of like every year they didn't get it done with Rogers. It was like, oh, another year down the drain. They just choked another year. Another year of Rogers' greatness was wasted. And she was saying that 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 kind of pressure and that, like, 
you have to win it all every year thing like took away from the fun and i think she's right i think that definitely did take away from some of the fun at times but this year it's not that way this year it's like it's all about growth and seeing just how much they have how much of a foundation they have for the future we learn now they've got an incredible foundation they have a hell of a foundation for the future and it couldn't be brighter yeah, which has made this team so much fun. I totally agree. So, yeah, great stuff, Nate. Thanks for hearing from you. Um, our next one comes from my guy Davin. Davin writes, say it. Say it. Hell yeah. F Dallas. Let's go, Lemps Nation. Another week of regular season pod. Oh, yeah, I got one more. I got at least one more in me. Yeah, I'm like the Vince Carter meme. I got one more in me. <laughs> We're doing one more next week at least. As long as they keep winning, I'll keep going. Hell yeah. Um. <laughs> yes, great. Yeah. Do you want me to say what? Do you want me to say dub? Is that what you wanted me to say? Or do you want me to say fuck Dallas? Because I'll say that too. Um. Yeah. It's great. It's just, isn't it great we get another week of this? Isn't this awesome? It really is. So thank you, Davin. Our last IG comes from josh get ready everybody strap in minute 20 hour and tw- minute 28 hour and 28 and i have no idea what josh wrote but i know it's going to be vivid so let's go josh writes good evening lamps ltp might want to put a bullet hole in my fucking forehead <laughs> the rain hole for asking but is joe barry becoming him barry schemed up cd lamb today and clearly got in his head by God Almighty, Barry even let Jair travel with Lamb until he got hurt, and Jair clearly bullied him as a strategy. Dak also looked lost, and I hate to say it, but I think it was this scheme tonight. WTF is going on. If the defense looks this good against the Niners, are we actually looking at losing Barry to head coaching opportunities? Nope. The Cowgirls are frauds, always have been, always will be. But for Joe, sneaky uncle reach around Barry, it's always going to be more luck than perfection. Carlson, if you miss one more extra point, I'm simply going to snap. Everyone pray for Big Mike McCarthy tonight. He might go missing inside the concrete foundation at Jerry's World like Jimmy Hoffa. NFC Divisional Round? Are you fucking kidding me? Josh. Well, Jimmy Hoffa got mentioned for the first time ever on the show, so that's always great. Uh, The first part about a lewd act with the brain hole, I just, that's a new one. Haven't had that on the show. Uh, <laughs> I appreciate your Jim Ross, by God Almighty, reference. That was not lost on me. Great stuff as always, Josh. Again, Josh always va- paints a very vivid picture for you, the listener. Um, which is great. Uh, yeah, he really. They really had a plan for Lamb. Lamb didn't look comfortable at all today, and really neither did Dak. You know, it's funny to hear the announcers say, "Oh, these guys are just off. They're just a little bit off." The studio guys at halftime, just a little bit off. The guys after the game, just a little bit off. I think the Packers made that happen. Again, nine quarterback hits, four sacks. The pressure was there. They mixed up coverage as well. They made Dak and Lamb uncomfortable. I don't think they were off. They were, but I think Green Bay made them off. I think Barry in that defense. Which I can't believe I'm saying that. The same defense that got lit up by, by, you know... Uh, Tommy Cutlets. The same defense that let Baker Mayfield put up a perfect passer rating. The first 
visitor, visiting QB, perfect passer rating in Lambeau history. It's the same defense that kept Dak and CeeDee Lamb, you know, the best quarterback-to-wide receiver combo in the league this year, off balance almost all day. How is that possible? How are these words coming out of my mouth? I don't know, but they are. So it's incredible. Yeah, it was incredible what they did. Um, I don't know if I would say it's always going to be more luck than perfection because you can see Barry has it in him. Look at what he did against Goff on Thanksgiving. Look at what they did against Mahomes. You know, look at what they did today against Dak. I mean, I don't think it's always luck. I think that Barry has a plan. Just for whatever reason, sometimes it works great, sometimes it shit. I don't understand any of it. But I don't think it's all luck. I think there's definitely smarts and stuff involved and skill. Um, if you miss one, yeah, I'm, I agree. I really was furious about Carlson. It's funny, uh, someone, was it Larry, mentioned Ricky Bobby? That's what I was thinking about, Talladega Nights, when uh, he missed. It's like that scene when they give him his car at the end and Amy Adams is doing the whole thing about Excalibur, right? And then the nerdy guy comes out and says the whole thing about whatever and Ricky Bobby goes, all the cool stuff that she just said, you just ruined it. (laughs) That's the way I feel when Carlson misses an extra point. I'm like, all the cool stuff Jordan Love and the offense said, you just ruined it, okay? (laughs) That's totally the way I feel. Um... He might go missing inside the concrete foundation. Because that's what I think happened to Jimmy Hoffa, right? There's a lot of theories. I think Jimmy Hoffa's buried in the concrete foundation of the Renaissance Center in downtown Detroit. So it's funny that you say that about um, Big Mike because, yeah, he he might. I don't know. Jerry's going to get rid of him. There's no way he sticks. None. No. So, yeah, great stuff, Josh. Always very vivid. Always very appreciated. Okay, that's Twitter. The Twitter DMs. Facebook, email, Igbag. We go to Gene. Gene gets the hammer. My former Old Bag of Donuts podcast co-host. One of my bestest friends in the world, Gene Bossling. Gene, if I didn't love you, I wouldn't read all this because I'm already an hour and a half in and this is incredibly long. But I'm gonna. So, yeah. Here we go. Gene writes. Let me take a deep breath. I want your ranking of your top three favorite non-Super Bowl Packers playoff wins. For me, it's the NFC title game in 96, the Falcons in 2010, and this one. Rodgers against Dallas in 16 is in, is in the conversation, as is the 49ers game in 95, the Snow Bowl in 07, and the Seahawks game in 2019. But I think this one surpasses all of those, as well as Al Harrison 03 or the Giants game in 16 because of what it could mean. This feels like a game we could look back on in five years and say it's the beginning of something. All the middle fingers I mentioned last week, TV chucklehead pundits, Rodgers, Vikings fans, and especially Jarrah still apply. The love throw to Kraft reminded me of Favre to Sharp in 93. And this came on the 28th anniversary of the Mob Ref game. I was so mad that day I went up to take my drum, take out my frustrations on my drum set. Think Christian Bale in the big short. I spiked a stick off my snare drum and flew across the room and put a hole in the wall. I covered it up with a pennant, and my parents didn't find it until probably 20 years later when they were redoing the room after I'd moved out of the house. That game, more than any in my life, felt like the Packers were fighting a big bully they could never beat. 
1996, as great as it was, felt like it was missing a little something because it wasn't against them. But since then, the Cowboys haven't been to an NFC title game. They're setting playoff utility records that could make the Vikings feel good about themselves. They look tight, disorganized, and dysfunctional all night. And once again, Jared might fire a good coach to blame somebody else for the problems. I would love to take down another boogeyman in San Fran next week, but that's just more gravy on a season that's already been doused with it. Vikings fans are terrified, and Jarrett is searching for answers yet again. This one, in more ways than one, patched up some holes for all of us. This is like almost like a mini column. It's brilliant. This is brilliant. I don't, I don't really know like what to add to this. Like, you know, you talked about it again. We could look back on in five years. I mentioned that a little while ago too. That like, if they end up winning a Super Bowl in the next like three to five or six years, I feel like we're gonna look back on this year as the start. Of course. And we're gonna, it's going to hold a really special place for all of us as fans. Um, it's a great story. You never told me that before about spiking your drumstick. That's great. <laughs> spiking a stick off your snare drum and putting a hole in the wall. <laughs> That's funny. That's a great story. You never told me that before. Uh, let's see. Um, yeah, because we tell you, you know, it's funny. People talk about owning the Bears... And the Cowboys, but it kind of feels like they own the Vikings now, too. Yeah, I would love. They're going to own a lot of teams going forward. I really believe that with this group they have in place. Uh, let's see. Okay, so you want my top three favorite non-Super Bowl Packers playoff wins. Now, I've been thinking about this since you sent it to me earlier. This is tough. There's so many. There's so, so many. But I think today is in there. I agree with you. I think this one is in there. I think this is a top three. It just, like you said, it feels like the beginning of something. So for right now, I might be a prisoner of the moment, but I'm but I'm with you. I'm going to say this is one of them. I think I'm going to go with the Snow Globe game in 07. Yes. Even... <laughs> All the shitheadery that we've seen from Favre since then. That was an incredible game and that was an incredible moment. You know? That snow globe game. And me, I, I was moving out of my apartment in Minneapolis that morning. And I drove to my sister's house in Appleton on my way up to Marquette. Um, Was I on my way up to Marquette? Yeah, I was. I was on my way up to Marquette and... I graduated college and I was driving to my sister's and I was driving into Appleton in that snowstorm. So I listened to like the first half of that game on the radio driving in the snow from Minneapolis to Appleton and then watched the rest of it at my sister. That was just a special night. And then I drove to meet Adam. Adam was at the game and he had taken some of my stuff in his truck so I had to drive from Appleton to Freedom in that snowstorm to meet him halfway. He drove from Green Bay down to Freedom. I drove from Appleton up. And we met at this little gas station in Freedom, and I got the rest of my stuff. God, and my mom was freaking out. My mom was going, you're not going to drive in that? <laughs> I was like, I have to. <laughs> and there were all sorts of cars in the in the ditches and on the side of the road. It was after the Packer game was over. So... Yeah, that game holds a special place for me. So I will say the Snow Globe in 07 is on there. 
as for the third one, I'd probably go with the the Rodgers game in Atlanta. Yeah, because that was the beginning of something too. That was like, oh shit, like Rodgers really could be that dude. We had a pretty good feeling, but that was really what cemented it. So yeah, I'll say those are probably my three. But that, but if I really thought about it more, I could maybe change the list. But off the top of my head, those are the three I would think of. Yeah. But we've been so fortunate. There's been so many. So thank you for that, buddy. All right. So those are everyone's comments. <laughs> Shit, there were a lot. But again, I feel like it's more fun to do it this way after a monumental win, right? Which is absolutely was. Felt like Didn't it just kind of feel like we just told the story of that game together? It's fun, right? I, I think it was. I hope you all had as much fun with that as I did. We look ahead now to next week, to the contest with San Francisco. I mean, what can I say about San Francisco? You know, they're really good. They're potentially even great. 12-5 and five record, only lost twice after late October. With one of those coming in Week 18 where they sat Brock Purdy and some other guys. So really... Just the one loss, which came to, oh yeah, the Baltimore Ravens, the number one seed in the AFC. They do everything really quite well. Yeah, you know, offensively, obviously, San Francisco, they're loaded with weapons. Ridiculously loaded. Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk. Those four, I mean, that's about as good a group as you'll ever find in the league at the skill positions. They're all freaks. You know, the damn fullback, Kyle Juszczyk. He can make things happen. The offensive line is pretty strong. Quite strong, I'd say. And Purdy, look, I'll be honest. I still have some doubts about Purdy's long-term viability as a starter. But for now, he's mostly getting the job done, even if having all those freaks around him makes it fairly easy for him. He is getting it done. Defensively, Fred Warner, he's the centerpiece. Probably the best linebacker in football. Not edge guy, but pure linebacker. He can play the run. He can cover. He's another freak. Nick Bosa at the defensive end spot. We know him. He's another freak. Game wrecker. Javon Hargrave. He's had a great season getting after the passer. You know? Traverius Ward. Five picks. 23 passes defended. Which to me is almost as important a stat as picks. 23 passes defended. You know? That defense is loaded. Like Dallas. It's a team loaded with all pros. Pro bowlers. Studs. But again, like with Dallas, all the pressure is on San Francisco. At some point, Kyle Shanahan has to break through with these uber-talented rosters he's handed every year, right? At some point, he has to win a Super Bowl. He's come close, but he hasn't done it. Well, as we know, with the salary cap, at some point, this roster is going to be broken up, you know? So you have to think time is at least somewhat running out for San Francisco. There has to be some urgency there. So they're going to be feeling it. They're going to be feeling that pressure. Advantage Green Bay. As the Packers, I mean, holy shit, they were never supposed to make it this far. So this is really all house money for them. To me, as for how Green Bay wins this game, Purdy is the potential breaking point. He's the weakness of the Death Star that is the San Francisco team to me. In the games they've struggled, games they've lost, teams have been able to pressure him, and he has not responded well, turning it over, for example, through four picks and their last real loss against Baltimore on Christmas night. That's where Green Bay has to make its money Saturday night. They have to pressure Purdy and hope he gives them a few, which if they can pressure him, he might. There's a good chance he will give them some. On the other side, the Packers again have to play a clean game offensively. No turnovers. 
Turnovers are death against this San Francisco team. You know, it's going to be tough to run the ball on them. They're a damn good run defense. But I think you can move the ball a little through the air on them. Which, hey, we know the Packers can do that too. Probably going to have to throw to set up the run. At least it feels that way to me. So the script here is probably force Purdy into at least two, hopefully three or even more turnovers. Dominate the turnover battle and do just enough offensively to squeeze out a win. You know, they may even need a big special teams player to in there. This San Francisco team is, to me, significantly better than the Dallas squad Green Bay just vanquished. So yeah, the challenge ratchets up about four or five notches, I'd say. That said, as McManus says in The Usual Suspects, my favorite movie, there's nothing that can't be done. So yeah, they can do it. They can go into San Francisco and win. This team is so hot. And the vibes are so strong. I definitely think they can do this. Will they? I don't know, but they can. I mean, my goodness, isn't it about time for that to happen? San Francisco has completely dominated this rivalry the last, well, let's just say it's been a while. Isn't Green Bay due? I sure as hell think so. God, can you imagine if they pull this off? It's going to be insane. So let's hope that happens. Come on, man. I don't want the ride to end. I'm being selfish. I just want to stay on the ride. It's been so freaking fun. And of course, I'll be back to recap that one. Win, lose, or draw next Sunday night. Next Saturday night, excuse me. It'll be Sunday morning, the 21st, when you hear it. So keep your eyes and your ears open for that one. And yes, I'll keep you posted. So until next time, whenever that may be, I am Chris Lempesis. This has been Lemp's Talking Pack. Thank you so very much for listening, Packer Nation. I love you, I love you, I love you. Yes, even those of you in the back who snuck in late don't think I didn't notice. Please stay safe out there in this crazy world and remember, always and forever, go, pack, go. Go.